house music and more and today's guest we have the one and only celeste alexander celeste how are you my love i am well thank you for doing this i really appreciate this i appreciate being asked oh my goodness this is wonderful so no we're just gonna get into it okay okay all right so celeste what year did your house journey begin and how were you introduced to it and what was the scene like at that time hmm um my house journey began probably around 1981-ish. Okay. Um, my introduction in school, I went to Loop Junior College. Loop Junior College. Which is now, of course, Harold Washington College. So, so the house music scene was when you got into college, not before then or anything? No. Okay. Okay, so <laughs> before I was into anything club-related, disco-related, house music-related. Um, coming up, I was a bit of a thug. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, my preferred music was stepping music. Okay. Um, I so spent, did they call it stepping back in the day? Yeah, it was okay, stepping then. Okay, it was then. still stepping. It was, okay. we were, I was in that generation that went from the bop to okay. stepping. All right, gotcha. Um, so I spent all of my time in high school um, basically going to stepper sets. Okay. Sam Chapman's, the the Burning Spear, right. the Dungeon, the Fort. I was a hardcore nice. stepper. Okay. Um, even though I went to high school with Jesse. Okay, Jesse, Jesse Saunders. Jesse Saunders okay. and I graduated the same year, right. 1980. Okay. But And Jesse was playing disco and club music at all of the... Kim, I went to Kenwood. Kenwood? I, I was the last graduating class of Kenwood High School. Oh, wow. Before it turned to into Kenwood Academy. Academy right. right. Okay. So, class of 80. Wow. And Jesse would, you know, be playing all of the, the disco and the dance right. music and right. everything. And I was the one with my core of... Nice. Steppers that would come to him and say, "Okay, that's enough of right. all that disco stuff. <laughs> we gonna need some." And we Jay. praying for Jesse still. We praying for Jesse. Definitely, Definitely. praying for Jesse. Okay. Um, we are going to need some JB monorails and some some oh, pathway wow. to Get glory and okay. some yeah. Right. So, um, but in '81, when I was at Loop Junior College, okay, I met a guy named Steve Hurley. Steve so curly. And I had a bit of a crush on Steve Hurley. <laughs> I can remember. I worked in the lunchroom. It was okay. my work study job. I worked in the lunchroom. Right. And Steve would always come in and he would order the same thing every time. Okay. Um, a grilled ham and cheese sandwich. Oh, wow. So I would always put a slide of extra piece of ham or uh, little extra cheese on there. Steve got that extra meat. <laughs> <laughs> Steve and I did strike, strike up a friendship. Okay. And all Steve really talked about, well, there were two things. He was very good at um, lyrically changing words to songs. Right. And then he would talk about hot mixing. Okay. Um, so when you said friendship, like what type of friendship? We were friends. Okay. Just I had a crush platonic. on him. He wouldn't give okay. me no play. Okay, okay. He was bougie. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, but um, we, we did. We did become very good friends. We had a okay. couple of classes together. We right. just, you know, we would kick it and talk stuff all the time. We were 
pretty warped in our comedic minds with each other. We yeah. kind of got each other that way. Okay. Um, so when he would talk about how mixing, I didn't know what it was. Right. And I asked him specifically what it was, and he told me it's the process of blending two records together, mixing okay. two records together with two turntables and a mixer. Right. And I was a bit intrigued by it, and I asked him, you know, and there were guys in the neighborhood that did it. There were, I, I was born and raised in High Park. Right. So there were um, Keith Fobbs, who's Correct. a little bit younger than me. Right. There was Steve Duplain. Okay. There was another guy named David Martin. Okay. There were quite a few guys in my neighborhood right. that had turntables or were into mixing. And, okay. of course, Jesse did it, Milo right. did it, and we all went to Kimwood. Okay. Um, I asked him where the girls were. Right. You know, how come the women aren't doing it? And he basically told me that because the myth was, and he was the one that said it okay. was a myth, um, was that women can't. Oh. And so at this time, were there any DJs, female DJs at this time? Not that I knew of. Okay. okay. Not that I knew of. Um, when I asked him, what do you mean they can't? And his explanation was, is that there was a belief amongst the guys that the women did not have this, the right, the proper hand-eye coordination Wow. And I ear coordination. Wait, now, who said this? This is what Steve told Steve me. Steve Hurley, okay. This was the belief. Right, right. Right? Okay. But he knew that that belief was a myth because right. he had a younger sister that he had taught how to play. Correct. And she knew how to play. So he says, so basically, that's bullshit. Right. You know, I know that they are. So, so, so where are the girls doing it? And yeah. he said, there really isn't any. Oh, wow. Well, it was intriguing enough for me to want to learn how to do this right and um that's the time when you got into it and, and this was 1981 this was yeah 1981 ish okay. now do you do you know any records that stand out at that time when you was first starting to dj i can remember the records that i first learned how to blend okay give me some of those but i don't think that that would have been 1981 okay um but i can strongly remember being taught how to blend with the Mix Your Own Stars. Oh, yeah, the, the 117. 117. Boom, clap, clap. Right, clap, right. So my general first lesson after someone told, showed me, and it was Steve Duplain, actually, who showed me. Okay. What the, the ear-hand coordination needed to be. Right. What you hear on the inside, what you hear on the outside, and how you have to blend those two things together. Okay. Um, and once I learned how to just hold the blend effortlessly between two different records of 117 right. without dropping the beat or dropping off Now, or at this time, do you have your own equipment or? Oh, no. Okay. I, I had no equipment. I would go to Steve's house. Um, David Martin was another guy that went to Kenwood with me. I think we kind of called ourselves being boyfriend and girlfriend oh. for a little bit of time. <laughs> um, but I remember going his, over his house. Right. And then there was Keith. Um, Keith okay. Fobbs lived right. around the corner from me. Our parents went to the same church. I've been knowing him since, you know, since he was in grammar school. And, and, and he is a, a few years younger than I am, about right. four years younger than I am. Okay. So... Um, but I was also introduced to Andre. Okay, I, I, I want you to pause right there for a second. So we're going to get to Andre because I have a question about that. Okay. 
So you grew in the scene pretty quick. And um, do you remember the culture being called house at that time? Or, and where do you think the name house music came from? I don't remember the culture being called house music at that time. I remember several different variances of what we called the music and what it was we were listening to. Dance music was definitely one. Right. Um, we were punk. Okay. We were preppy. Right. Um, we were goodies. Goodies. We, okay. <laughs> you okay. remember that time? I don't remember that one now. Um, we were goodies. Okay. <laughs> But punk and preppy right. kind of jump out at me more, okay. um, especially be, being in Hyde Park. Right. I remember the parties at the mansion okay. that they used to have that. at the mansion over on Drexel. Right. And those were punk out parties. Correct. They, they called them punk out parties. Um, so, no, house wasn't what, what it was okay. being called. Right. So um, now, was disco was still being played at the time? Disco right? was definitely being played, but there was a transition going on. Okay. The disco, I, I remember not disco disco, not like the tramps and stuff like that. Okay. I don't remember that being played. Okay. But my experience at first was the sock ops or the parties at Kimwood. Right. The mansion parties. Okay. Those would have been my earlier, earlier experiences. Right. Um, eventually, that moved into the parties that used to be at Sawyer's. Correct. Um, what was that over on Roosevelt? The penthouse. Okay. Um, Sawyer's and the penthouse right. would have been like the first two places. But those would have been for the kids that were... Basically, a little bit younger than I was. Okay. Um, so, will you consider yourself first generation or second generation? I'm always. I'm, oh, that's a good question. How about <laughs> one point five generation? <laughs> one point five. Okay. Right. Um, okay. Right. 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 I did not really. St I was. I was learning how to play. Okay. But I wasn't playing out. Okay. I was actually modeling. Wow. I was um I was an Everett Henley model. Oh, look at that! So I was modeling. So I I, I through my introduction to Andre right. Hatchett and some of the other people, I, I I got introduced to a lot of the people in the underground culture of it. Got you. Um. So at this time, do you remember who was the most popular like DJ at that time? Most popular DJ where? During the time when you first came into the scene, like See, you started DJing. I also believe that there is a distinct difference between the underground popularity and okay. what ended up being the commercial popularity. Mm. Okay, speak. Um, the underground culture itself, of course, would have come with the Frankie Knuckles, the, right. the you know, Robert Williams with, with Ron Hardy, with Michael Izabuku, okay. with um, those DJs, which were all gay male DJs. Right. And most of the places that they were playing at were a lot of the 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 gay the gay spots right. the 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 gay den right. the the Rialto the okay. you know the warehouse right um, I for a fact only went to the warehouse maybe the last four or five parties before the okay. warehouse shut down right um, and it freaked me out I right. had never been immersed in that culture before correct um, it was a pure unbridled totally open wow gay party okay but it was the most liberating thing i think i had ever experienced in my life musically wow so that would have been the underground scene okay well as a 
as a copy of what was happening in there. Right. Um, musically, some other things were happening commercially. Okay. And with the the kids that couldn't go right. to the warehouse Correct. and couldn't go to the power plant. It was another scene happening. It was yeah. a whole other scene happening. Right. And I believe that that was happening simultaneously, not just in Chicago. Okay. It was happening. It, it had always been in existence in New York. I right. mean, let's just face it. Robert Williams is from New York. Right. Frankie Knuckles is from New York. Right. You know, so we're talking about people that that migrated into Chicago Correct. and bought an underground scene okay. that was already going on right. in New York. Yeah, the and commercial. That's when we transitioned over to what we call house. <coughs> Excuse though, me. At that time too. I think yeah, yeah. sometime during that time it transitioned to house, right. and I would have to go with the story that I was told okay. about the term house music. Okay, tell and me, elaborate on that, please. The story I was told was the story that Frankie told me. Okay. And that was that he saw a sign Correct. at the pub, at the Jeffrey Pub, I think it was. Right. And in the window, yeah. the sign said, we, we play, play house, house music. music. I, yeah, I, I said that, I, I like that, how you said that and cross over that because... You know, I, I just spoke to Glenn Underground, and he told me about that sign in a pub, and he said his grandfather's father used to own that pub, but he didn't know what the name was it. But then you also had Leonard McRoy say that he was spinning there, well, and he put the sign in there. And that's my understanding. Leonard okay. Remix Moore, Roy, Roy right. was the DJ at the pub, okay. and that was his sign. Right. And Frankie saw the sign, Got right. intrigued by it and said, well, I want to know what What's this that? is. Correct. And he literally went in and asked, well, what is house music? Okay. And he was told it's the music that's played down at the warehouse. Okay. There you go. Now. Now, since you said that, we, we know you were really close to Frankie. Frankie yes. Knuckles. How did that come about? And can you share just a few things you learned from him? Oh, I learned a whole lot from Frankie. But okay. um, that introduction came about by me meeting Andre and Andre kind of mentoring me okay. at the same time that I believe that Andre was learning a lot by himself. Wow. Um, Andre was a natural talent. Yeah. Tony was already playing. Right. Um, and Andre would just, when Tony wasn't there, right. start playing, start you know. Yeah. Um, so they would have equipment there. I don't believe it was even their equipment. I think that a lot of the time back then, because equipment was it really, really expensive. Right. Um, we pieced together what we could yeah. and we kind of shared what we had, yeah. you know, from, from music yeah. all the way to turntables right. and, and a Teledyne mixer. You know wow, what I'm saying? Teledyne. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So the, you, you kind of jumped ahead of me, but I was going to ask you about Andre and then how did that come about? And we, I think he's such an unsung hero in this house culture that a lot of people don't give Andre a lot of credit to. So... What do you think the magic of Andre Hatchick is and what you what have you learned from Andre? Okay, so Andre would have been Andre and Keith would have been my first and second mentors. Okay. I mean physical mentors teaching me right. and learning the craft. But I think that we were actually learning everything together. I think Andre just had a better understanding and a natural ability. Right. I think that Andre was a bridge okay. um, between the underground gay music community and the commercial and and younger generation right. 
of of dance enthusiasts. Wow. Um, when we was punk. Okay. When we was disco. When we was, you know what I'm saying. When right. that whole that whole thing was yeah. starting to build and 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 branch out. Right. I think that Andre was a very very good example of a bridge yeah. between the two because. Nice. Out of all of the guys that I remember right. being out there, Andre was the only one that was gay. Yeah. You know, and he was openly gay. Right. And he wasn't bothered. You no. know what I'm saying? Nobody messed with him. No. or And if they did, it wasn't anything that I saw. Absolutely. And he just, he can play. That's, that's the thing about it. And he, he had a natural, yeah. he had a natural something that was just innate. Right. Um... Andre took me to the warehouse for the first time. Oh, okay. Andre introduced me to Frankie. Nice. He took me back there because Frankie, back in the warehouse, the DJ booth wasn't where you can see the DJ. Right. The DJ booth was off back in the cut somewhere. Okay. You had to go through a couple of hallways and rooms <laughs> to get to it. It wasn't the main It wasn't main like it no, is and I don't even think that he had a clear vision. Frankie had a clear vision of the floor wow. of what was going on. And even if he did, the lighting system and the darkness of it, yeah. you couldn't see that anyway. Wow. So I met Frankie. That's how I met Frankie. Okay, okay. Um, and so, I was still in the midst of learning yeah. how to play, but Andre would not let me play out. Oh, really? Mm-mm. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready, but I was still okay, learning. So, so I want to jump to back to Frankie. Like I, I just want to share <coughs> a few me. things. Of what you learned from him. From Frankie from or Fra Andre? From Frankie Knuckles. Um, the first thing I learned from Frankie, I think, is um, non-judgment. Okay. Um, Frankie and I became very good friends, very close friends, very, very quickly. Right. Um, Frankie had a very, very... Strong presence, docile, and nurturing spirit. Okay. And I just kind of gravitated to that. Right. Come to find out, um, Frankie's birthday and my mother's birthdays were a couple of days apart. Oh, okay. Um, and eventually, um, when he found out that I was learning how to play, right. he was just 100% supportive of it. He nice. was just like, right. really? That's Good. so awesome, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. So we we just kind of linked like that. Oh, nice. um, eventually, later on, we became business partners. Right. That's Oh, wow. You want to elaborate on that then? The power plant. Oh, okay. Yeah, when Frankie was um, trying to open the power plant as his own club because it was the Riverwalk, I think it was called before then. Right. And it was a white gay club. Okay. And he was playing there, but he transitioned it and took over the leasing right. and everything of it and turned it to the power, power plant. plant. Okay. But when that time came, um, I had just gotten an inheritance. Right. Um, and Frankie didn't have the money that he needed to do what he wanted to do with that club. Nice. Or to put the sound system in it the okay. way he wanted it. Right. And... I gave him the money for it. Now, see, I didn't, I a never lot of knew that. A lot of that. people did not know that. Wow. I was the silent partner for the power plant. So could you tell the difference uh, or tell us the difference 
once Frankie had his own club versus when it was Robert Williams, the warehouse? I could not tell you the difference. And okay. the reason why is because I did not get a chance to experience the warehouse, the warehouse wow. okay. very many times. And the few times that I did sp- experience the warehouse, right. um, I was so high, I don't really <laughs> remember <laughs> a whole lot of the experiences. Oh, that's graceless. My, my stories are that of a very inebriated right. nature. Okay. Well, no, that's, that's good that you know we, we finding out information about that because... A lot of people don't talk about the power plant and knowing that you was part. I never knew that. I'm glad people know that they're going to know that now. Yeah. So you know? every time we went to the power plant, I mean, right. I was invested. I was I was. Nice. In, um, now, how many people did the power plant hold at this time? Power plant would hold. I would say packed or are you just saying in general, yeah, just a packed night, a how packed many, night yeah. easily for. 400 people, nice. maybe more. Now, how did you you guys come up, or you, Frankie, came up with the name Power Plant? I have no idea. Okay. I have absolutely no idea. Right. I just know that he said, you know, he kept talking about what he needed and right. what he was trying to do and how he wanted to do it right. and that he didn't have the money for it. Wow. And I just asked him, well, how what much you money do you think you need? Yeah. You know, and he said an amount. Right. And I asked him, I said, so you need that in a money order? You need that in cash or so what? So do, do you know what type of system that he, that he purchased at the time? It was partially a Richard a Long, Richard Long system. system. Yeah, yeah partially okay. a Richard. Part, um, he was talking about, um, I think this was an amp, amp rack crossover type of deal that right. he wanted. But it had to be shipped in for Germany yeah. in the parts. Yeah. And someone literally had to put it together right, for right. him. Right. Um, there was a guy, I don't remember what this guy's name was. I do remember Erasmo, but that's not who put it together. Okay. And he wanted to do something with the tweeters. He wanted the tweeters to drop from the ceiling. Oh, wow. Um, and they were three-way tweeters, and right. he wanted so many of those dropping in strategic places. Yeah. And he wanted the base and the mids to be in strategic places. Wow. Um, and I remember him taking me there and showing me all these things yeah. and showing me what his vision was, even though I couldn't visualize right, it. Right, but right, right, right. My thing was how much, how much you need. You so, know. so, where did you ever spend at the power plant? No. 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 Really? Huh? Why was that? It wasn't my place to spend at. Okay. It was Frankie's place. Okay. It I mean, as being a vegetable, I, I probably would have threw up in the DJ booth anyway. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I was ready for that type of thing. I was right. still budding as a DJ, learning right. how to play in front of crowds, learning how to communicate with the music, yeah. okay. um, how to use the music, how how to right. um, build a set, yeah. build an environment through the music. I was learning a wow. whole whole lot back then, so. Um, no, I was doing okay. my little Sawyer's no, no, parties. Okay. Right. I was like, I would do Sawyer's. They had a lot of fashion shows. Right. So I literally right. would like do the fashion show, run down the wall, run, and then leave, change clothes, and then come out and spend for wow. 45 minutes or so. Okay, so since we're there right now, what was your first paid gig and what was it like? My first paid gig was for Calvin Hollins. Oh, Calvin. Oh, we know Calvin. International game room. Right. He had a place on 47th. Okay. Or was that 43rd? That was 47th where the Tiki 
The Tiki Room. Is that on 47th or 43rd? I have no idea, but okay. Where's the Tiki Room? Okay, we're going to go with 47th. We'll put it in. in, in We're going to go with 47th. Okay. Okay. um, It was downstairs in the basement. Okay. But upstairs was a game room. Right. Pac Man, Donkey Kong, Galaga. But downstairs, he had a a raw space. And he threw parties down in that raw space. Okay. So my very first paying gig was downstairs in that basement. Wow. With Andre and Keith Fobbs. Andre Hatch and Keith Fobbs. Okay. Yeah. And I think, I want to say that David Risque okay. may have thrown that party. Oh, Dave Risque. Look at that. Okay. It may have been Dave Risque. Now, do you feel the crowds and, and other DJs was open to female DJs at this time? Absolutely not. It was horrible. I wow. got booed. I got stuff thrown at me. And really? I got to play three records. And then I had to get off because they were just really, really rude and obnoxious. Wow. Are you serious? Yeah, I I couldn't even get my I couldn't even get my third. So do you blend rem- in. do you remember the first three records you played? No, I have no oh. idea. I was so scared, <laughs> and then they were then they were booing me, and it's a girl, get her off of there. Really? And it was yes, wow. it was horrible, and oh then Calvin God. didn't want to pay me. Huh? Oh my goodness! Oh Calvin, come on now. He didn't want to pay he, me. Did he pay you eventually? He paid me because he was scared of my stepdaddy. Okay, because I get on him now. No, my stepfather was a, a Chicago police officer, okay. and he used to do security in some of Calvin's places. Right. So when he found out that, you know, when he didn't want to pay me, I was like, I'm telling my daddy, you know. Right. And he was like, I don't care who your daddy. And I told him who my daddy was. He said, Oh, that's your daddy? Right, right, right. He was like, <laughs> he was like okay, we're going to give you your money. It right. wasn't number like $25, right. but, wow. you know, but still. Yeah. He didn't want to pay me because I didn't play. Right. But I didn't play because they didn't give me a chance. Wow. Okay, so you're such an authority on the culture of house before, you know, the genre really began. Mm-hmm. If there were no Hot Mix 5, does house music, the genre, still happen? Yes. Really? Explain. I think that there was another split. I okay. think that there was also an underground, non-commercial, younger crowd culture. Okay. And then there was the radio culture. Correct. And I think the radio culture was very, very restrictive. Even though it was popular and they got airtime, it was still very restrictive. So, so you, don't, you don't think the Hot Mix 5 really broadened the horizons of, of people and mindsets on, on house music? I agree that it did broaden okay. the minds, but that's only because they had the reach. Right. Because they had the public reach. Okay. But there were still loft parties going on. There were still parties going on. Right. That the Hot Mix 5 DJs weren't playing at. Okay. There were a whole lot of DJs out there that were doing these parties, that were playing these parties, that were in battles. It was a whole culture. Right. And that was kind of the bridge between when house really became house and hip-hop really became hip-hop. Right. Because a lot of the times, I can remember playing Planet Rock. I can remember playing, you know what I'm saying, those early, early hip-hop songs. yeah. In, in Sawyer's. Right. I can remember playing those songs in, in the penthouse. Okay. So I don't think there was a real super establish of the difference between the two. Right. Between the, the club cultures. Yeah. You know, it was just the club culture. Wow. And it was all just dance music. Right. The BPMs and what started to happen lyrically is what bridged the difference between... Right. 
what eventually became the hip hop and the rap culture right. and what stayed or became the house music and the dance culture. Okay, gotcha. But they're very much and were very much intermingled yeah. with so, each other early so, on. So since you've been around from the beginning too, what do you consider the first Chicago house record? Is it Jesse Saunders on and on? Or is it Chippies, It's House, Time to Jack? I'm going to say that Jesse's On and On okay. was considered the house dance music, but it wasn't the first record to use the term house. Okay, what was the first record to use the term? It's House, house if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Right, right. It's House was the first yeah. record to actually use the term house. And if you don't use the term, you can't get the grasp. Oh, all right. Preach, girl. So using the term, <laughs> it's house, right. made everybody say, it's what? Right. Yeah. Well, what's that? Right. You know what I'm saying? Not that on and on wasn't being played. Right. It was. And it would get a crowd response. Right, right. And, but it just didn't have that terminology. But it like didn't have it. the terminology. Right. I mean, so for me, on and on would have been the same as what the other trans-euro club dance music that was was filtering in right. to the scene. Right. That wasn't even, it wasn't based out of Chicago. So give me your perspective about Jamie Principle's Your Love then. I think that Your Love... <sighs> See, Jamie Principle was, was the epitome of the underground to me. Right. And, and he came from the underground scene. Yeah. He was a, a, a gay, he's a gay underground club head. Right. You know what I'm saying? So there was so much going on. There were so many moving parts. Right. For somebody to just say this one thing Correct. was it. Right. And everything snowballed from After this that, one right. thing. Yeah. I don't think that we could ever paint that scenario. Okay. Now, a lot of people can claim it. A lot of people can believe it to their core. Right. But there were so many different factors coming from so many different places at the same exact time. Right. It's just hard to... It's hard to pinpoint one thing and saying, yeah, right right after that happened, house music, da-da! It's it's a collaboration of a whole bunch of other things. It's just, it was a lot of moving parts. It was a whole lot of stuff going on. Right. So let me ask you this question. Were Ronnie and Frankie friends or frenemies? And what was their relationship like? They were friends. They were friends. Okay. Yeah, they were friends. Okay. I think, you know, competition is something that a lot of people don't look at. Yeah. Um, I think that they think that because we have instant access and instantaneous microwave views of everything now that we have social media and all these different platforms that there was not a competitive spirit between any entity that was trying to do something in the industry when it came to throwing parties. Right. It's always been there. Yeah. 
They just didn't always see it. Right, 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 right. No, hanging up, hanging up posters at three o'clock in the morning. Right. Booty deep in the snow. Yeah. Trying to wrap posters up on the on the pole around the school. <laughs> and five minutes after you all get into your car, here come the next crew snatching, snatching your posters down, down right, or putting, putting their posters over yes, it. Yes, that's you know, a lot, right. What is that more than a competitive spirit? Yeah. A party didn't even have to be on the same night. It could have been the next yeah. night, but. Yeah. My poster is going to be over your poster. Exactly. That's you know, did, yeah. that's how no, they that's did true. it. Yep, that's how it was. Promoting your parties, uh-huh. handing out flyers. Yeah. There were specific schools that these promoters or the crew right. that was throwing the party had you at yeah. at a specific time in order to pass out those flyers to yeah. make sure that those kids knew about those parties. Right. So it was a whole, the competitive spirit of it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the music box and the power plant right. were both, they both had the same following, basically. Yeah. They were both underground gay clubs. Right. Now, they were open to anybody that could get in. Right. You know, if you were of age, yes. of course. Yeah. Winks. <laughs> Again, I'm standing right. on the fact that right, right, right. I'm a little bit older. <laughs> I'm a little right. bit older. Right. So where a lot of my counterparts and people that I came up DJing with and the people I came up partying with, yeah. not many of them are exactly the same age that I am. Correct. Um, and quite a few of them are older than I am. Right. You know, Wayne Williams is older than me. Yeah, he old as hell. <laughs> We're just gonna say older than me, right? Right. Kirk Townsend is yeah. older than me. Yeah. Um. So you know, Frankie is older than me. Ronnie right. was older than me. Robert is older than me. Right. So these people were all older than me. Yeah. But the people that were starting to follow, not on the gay underground scene, because right. absolutely everybody in those clubs outside of my crew, right, and 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 the few of the straight kids that could get in, that would come and would hang out. Right. Um, we, we're all over yeah. 55. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we're all over yeah. 55. So let me ask you this. If you were building the Mount Rushmore of house music with its founders, Frankie, Ronnie, and Farley are already decided, what other two would you add and why? Do they have to be from Chicago? Um, yes, because we, we, this is, we're talking about, we're Chicago, talking about yeah, Chicago we're talking house. About Chicago okay. Right and I have to specify and ask that question because again, no, that's good. That's there good were that so many that. moving yeah. parts a- going on in so, so no, many let's, different right. let's places. Let's just stick to Chicago house. And like you said, three of the founding fathers are already on there. Frankie Knuckles, Ron Hardy, and Farley Funkin Keith are already decided. What other two would you add and why? Hmm. And who should be there but doesn't get there just do? Let's say that too. Who should be there but doesn't get there just do? Either that or just we, the other two that be on the Mount Rushmore of house music. See, again, my mind always... And this your perspective. My this mind always goes towards the segregation. Okay. Okay? And, and knowing the difference between the commercial, the commercialized, younger straight scene okay and being immersed in the underground right gay scene but i i think you you can have that perspective but you just gotta 
Like, cause you, you was in both. So, I was in both. So, if you could but, pick... But I'm also very opinionated. <laughs> and... Girl, I, okay, me, so, let me just DJs, say this. Girl. Let me just say this. I, I would only agree with Farley because of his role with the Hot Mix 5. And um, what that meant... Yeah. For the commercial house music scene. But I, now, my perspective, <coughs> I believe you got to have Farley on there because... I would only agree with it because of that. Okay. Because of just just the Hot Mix 5? Because of the Hot... Well, without so, the Hot Mix... Yes. So just, so just because. Okay, so Farley playing new music on the radio, getting people to go down to imports and buy the records. I think that was a staple because... He had a platform that he could play. I would, I would right. agree with that because okay. he did have that platform. So you said if he didn't have that platform, it he would, wouldn't have been no different than Eric E.T. Taylor. Wow. Um, you know, Steve went a different route. Right, right. Steve actually started making music. Right. You know, Steve got his popularity basically because of J.M. Silk right. okay, so and the music on, Paul, that he was okay, making. So, so Paul said, okay, so we do have But a lot of people don't know that Steve was a cold-ass DJ. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Had I, I fast think hands did. and everything. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Hurley you know, was, was one of the best. But I'm just trying to get the, the other two for the Mount Rushmore of house music. And we got to put Farley and Frankie and Ronnie on there. Those are three hands down. That's already... I'm going to go there. out on a limb here. Okay. I'm going to put a West Sider on that. This is your wall, baby. I mean, this is the Mount Rushmore. I'm going to put a, I'm going to put a West Sider okay. on that. Okay, who is that? I'm going to put Little Lewis on that wall. Absolutely. Okay, that's that's understandable. Um, okay, so Frank and even though Ronnie, the West Side experience Farley, was Lil not Lewis. my experience, right? But Little Lewis definitely okay had an impact. Okay, and was impactful in the same way that I believe that Frankie was right. That Ronnie was. Right. That Farley was. Okay. Little Lewis in his own right. Okay, you got one more left. I got one more left. And it, it can be anybody you want to or Me. Anybody. No. Okay, no. Um. <laughs> <laughs> if, if that's what you wanted as the last one, you can have that. I, I, don't, I don't want, I'm trying to be humble. Um, this, this is your story, baby. And I wasn't the first. Okay. So I would I would just think that just to be fair to the struggle that I knew that it was. Yes. I would have to say I would share a face with Lori Branch. Okay. That's that's nothing with wrong that. with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Um and I have my own reasons because of the impact of it. Right. But I don't think that without Somebody crossing that barrier, okay. We would have what we have as far as women DJs Absolutely. are concerned, right? No, that's now. good, that's good, that's good, that's no problem. Okay, so you know house music from a global perspective and a local one. Why do you think so many local Chicago black DJs struggle with identity and finding their place? I think that one that Chicago overall is just siloed. Mm. I think that. We come from a siloed place. Okay. Um, we know how politically inclined Chicago is. Yep. We know how segregated Chicago is. Right. We know that our minds are segregated because of the environment that we've all been brought up in. Right. And I think Chicago was very siloed. And right. I think that the internet itself was the bridge between us finding out 
that there were right. other cultures in other cities doing their thing too. Yeah, yeah. And I think that because we're so siloed that we don't want to admit that other people, other right. places, right. other things, other events, other happenings right. had anything to do with what we know as a, a global force now. Mm. We're so busy trying to hold on to, I was there, right. I was first, I, was, yeah. I did this, yeah. I did that, right. that we don't even want to acknowledge wow. the fact that other people did other stuff too. You are preaching. Are and you everybody, <laughs> everybody right. has their own experience. Yes. Everybody has their own place. Everybody has their own story. That's true. And some of them were happening simultaneously while mine was happening too. Wow. Okay. Who am I to discount what you say you was doing on September 25th, 1982? That's right. If we weren't in the same room. Right. No, I got you. I got you. All right. I got my last question for you because you, I see you going there. I got you. <laughs> so you were visibly connected to Vic Lavender and his uh, sophisticated recording. Mm -hmm. Are you still connected to that label? Yes. Okay. Very speak, much so. Can you speak about that a little bit? I, I still handle a lot of the business aspects and, gotcha. the, and, the, and, the, and contractuals of, uh, okay. with Vic. Okay. Vic is my little brother. Nice. Um, as you know, y'all are my little brothers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, for real. I got, I'm an only child. Okay. And which is probably why I'm so daunting, daring, yes. and bold is yeah. because I am an only child. Okay. But I got so many brothers and sisters. Yes, you do. And that's good. As a result of the last 40 years that's that good. I've experienced and immersed myself into this, into this lifestyle and this culture. That's good. It's Celeste. not just. That's good. It's, it's not yeah. just well, house. Well, that's what I'm talking about. But that's why I wanted you on here. Because it's home. I wanted you to tell your story. Um, you've been in this game, and like I said, it's a lot of unsung heroes out there. Mm -hmm. And I want to give their just due because this is a platform that we can go and come and talk about our our culture, which is Chicago house music, and let people know what's going on. So yeah. I, again, I thank you for being on the show. This is everything house music and more. Uh, this episode right here is sponsored by City Point Loft. I just want people to know about hey, that. I got sponsors. That's right. Click on the link right here and see everything. Uh, make sure you uh, hit the button, click the subscribe, and uh, get the notification buttons for more episodes. Celeste, I love you. Thank you so much I for this. I love you too. Thank I you. I really appreciate this. And it, it, before we go, is there anything you want to squash or? Or set straight, set the record straight before we go out and get up out of here. Mm -mm. Anybody that need to know anything, y'all know. All you got to do is ask. I'm going to give you my reel. All right, y'all. There we go. There we have it. Love you, and I'll talk to you soon.